Welcome to Matan's Parsha podcast, Sefer Dvarim. Each week, a different Matan teacher will share words of Torah to illuminate the Parsha and your week. Today's Shiur and Parsha Dvarim will be given by Rabbanit Rebecca Linzer, a graduate of the Marot Lahalacha program at Matana Sharon. Rabbanit Linzer teaches Talmud and development of Halacha at Matana Sharon and is the administrator of their Beit Midrash programs. She also serves as the international coordinator for the Matan Mother Daughter Bat Mitzvah program. The Book of Devarim is unique among the five books of the Chumash. One of the things that strikes us right at the beginning of the book is that Devarim has an introduction, something that none of the other books have. It has five sukim at the beginning, which place us in time, place, and purpose. Um, when, when I was a counselor in a youth movement, we were taught very clearly, when you prepare a flyer for an event, there are five W's that you must check are included in every flyer. Who, what, where, when, and why. And that's exactly how we open Sefer Dvarim. These are the words that Moshe addressed to all Yisrael. That's our who. Be'ever hayardain, on the other side of the Jordan River. And then it goes into quite a bit of detail about where. It was in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month. There's our when. What happened then? That Moshe addressed B'nai Yisrael according to the instructions that Hashem had given him. That's the what. And the last one we have is the why. Ho'il Moshe be'eret ha-Torah hazot le'mor. Moshe undertook to explain the teaching. Of all of these, the most unclear is the why. What is the purpose of this book? And that's what we're going to concentrate on today. And we're going to focus on the pasuk, Ho'il Moshe be'eret ha-Torah. Moshe undertook to explain the Torah. But first, right when we open the book, we see that it says, these are the words that Moshe addressed to all Israel on the other side of the Jordan. We're used to seeing the words, Hashem spoke to Moshe, saying. And here we see right away a shift. Until now, Moshe has been only a conduit for the word of Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks through Moshe, but in the words of God. Hashem speaking through Moshe's mouth. And that's how it was for the first 40 years and for the four previous Chumashim. But Sefer Dvarim is the words of Moshe. Sefer Dvarim is Moshe's monologue. And that's an interesting thing that we're saying because Moshe is the one who, at his first confrontation with Hashem at the burning bush, says, Lo ish dvarim anochi, kichvad peuchvad lashon anochi. I'm not a man of words. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. But Chazal tell us that learning Torah heals us. And so Moshe has spent 40 years learning Torah and bringing it to the people, and now he's ready to speak. In fact, the rabbis say that the first four books of the Torah were Moshe. the spirit of Hashem spoke from through the throat of Moshe. But the last book, say Chazal, is from his own mouth. In Hasidut, we call this differentiation derech ma'avar and derech hitlabshut. Um, derech ma'avar means that that the, the the information is only passing through a conduit, um, 
and 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 not being affected at all by the person, whereas derechit lapshut means that the person has internalized the ideas and the concepts, um, and and now is taking them and realizing them, taking the spiritual, and making them um, material in a way by fundamentally changing them, adding to them. Um, Rashar Hirsch, at the beginning of Sefer Dvarim, comments that this whole introduction, um, our whole 5W introduction, it's not just for this parsha or for the topic that the book opens with, but rather it is for the whole of Sefer Dvarim, because Sefer Dvarim has its own unique personality. Um, and he comments there that the last prakim of Bamidbar, where it speaks about the mitzvot um, connected to conquering the land, um, should, in theory, if we think about it, um, be followed by Sefer Yehoshua, um, where they go into the land. Um, but the but in fact, we have this fifth book, Dvarim, um, which interrupts and. Um, there, Moshe puts in all the things he wants to say to the people before he parts from them. Um, because now he realizes that he needs to say goodbye. From here on in, he's not going to be there to lead them. He's not going to be able to fulfill his role. And he needs to um, take this moment to explain to them everything they need to know. So, Be'er Moshe et Torah Zot. What did Moshe explain at this point? So one way of looking at it is that another name for this Sefer, Sefer Dvarim, is Mishneh Torah, the repetition of the law. So, and we know in English we call it Deuteronomy, which is from the Greek for the, for the word second law. Um, and, and it was called that, the repetition of the law, because Dvarim is filled with many events that are familiar to us from the previous books of the Torah. So there is definitely an element of review in the book, and that's how the Sifrei looks at it. When it explains the words, Be'er, the Torah, Hazot, Lemor, Moshe ex, uh, expounded on the Torah by saying, he came to them, Moshe came to the, to the nation, and he said, I'm, I'm close to, to my death now, and I want that anyone who heard a verse from me and forgot it, you should come and we'll learn it together again. If you heard a parsha from me and, and you forgot it, come back and we'll learn it together again. If you heard a, a chapter from me, and you forgot it. Come back and we'll learn it together again. Even just one halacha that you learned from me and forgot it. Come back and we'll learn it together again. He's warning them that in a little bit, he's not going to be there anymore. And he's concerned that the Torah that he's been teaching the nation throughout the years in the desert not be forgotten. Until now, he's been the source of all the Torah knowledge, but he knows that he's near death and he must ensure that everything he's taught is available still to the people. So if there's anyone who doesn't feel that he or she has a solid grasp on the Torah they've learned from Moshe, now is their chance, he's saying, to perfect their knowledge. The Sforno adds another element. He says the the nation's going into the land now. So until now, their knowledge was theoretical. Moshe taught them about the mitzvot that had to do with living in the land, and even the ones that had to do with regular living. Until now, they've been living in the desert. It hasn't been a natural way of living. So now they need to move to the practical, but Moshe won't be there when they move to the practical. So he's very concerned that they are as comfortable as they can possibly be with the mitzvot as they learn them from from Moshe.
So all of the commentaries we've seen until now spoke about um, reviewing the Torah, making sure that they remember everything. But if this were merely a review, a short mention of an event should have been a note, just like a Cliff Notes version, right? Um, however, we see that the psukim in some places go into great detail of the events, and sometimes they describe events in different detail than what we knew from previous uh, books of the Chumash. There are mitzvot that appear for the first time in Dvarim. So Rav Mordechai Sabato looks at these psukim, and he, in these verses in the introduction to Dvarim, and he says, we have two elements here. Um, all that God commanded to them talks about new mitzvot that he's going to speak about whereas Hazot, explaining the Torah is the explanation of old mitzvot for example let's just take one example from two things that appear uh, twice um, we have twice the, the Ten Commandments Shamor Vizachor right um in Sefer Vayikra, Sefer Shemot, sorry, um, when the when when we read about um, the Aseret Hadiprod, it says Zahorat Yom Shabbat Lekodesho. It's a very positive um, mitzvah which talk, talks about remembering Shabbat, about um, making it special and holy. Um, when we go over the Ten Commandments in Sefer Devarim, we add an element of shamor, of, of, of watching over it, of being careful about it. It's a warning. So that is an, an explanation that was added to the mitzvah of, of Shabbat in the second reading. So that's just an example of what a, um, an, a, what Rav Mordechai Sabato would call mitzvot mivuarot, um, mitzvot which we've learned before but are now being further explained. Rabbeinu Bechaye adds another point. In essence, he says, Sefer Dvarim is a second Brit, a second covenant between Hashem and Am Yisrael, renewing the Brit that was made at Sinai, but this time with the new generation. It's not the parents' generation of the freed slaves. They've died out. These are the children who were born free in the desert. And so the covenant that they're making now parallels the covenant made with the parents, but every covenant reflects the unique aspects of the partners in the covenant. So when Moshe makes the covenant with the children, we're going to emphasize different points in order to properly encourage this generation at this juncture in time. Uh, there's no revelation of God in this um, covenant, but we saw at Sinai that that was not a huge success. The people couldn't tolerate the direct speech of God and asked Moshe to intervene. So this time he starts it himself. Um, so if we review, we see that the Rashar Hirsh, Rabbi Shimshon Rafal Hirsh, talked about Sefer Dvarim as a book of um, of Moshe parting from the people. The Sifrei talked about the um, the review to make sure that they remember everything that he's taught them. The Sforna spoke about the practical applications of the fact that they're going into Eretz Yisrael, and until now everything has been theoretical. And Rav Mordechai Sabato introduced the concept that there is old and new, both in, um, in Dvarim, new mitzvot and mitzvot that we are further explaining, 
And Rabbeinu Bechaye added the idea that, um, that we are renewing the covenant with a new generation. So on this whole first level, Moshe is worried that the people haven't adequately learned the written Torah he's been teaching them for the past 40 years. But the Torah as it came to Moshe from the word of God is only the first step. Moshe's role until now, as we said, has been to be a prophet, a navi, who's only a receptacle of the word of Hashem, a conduit, we've said. Especially Moshe, who was the greatest of the prophets, who received very clear prophecy, what we call aspaklaria mi'ira, an illuminated lens. He had no need even to interpret what he saw and he heard, but passed it directly onto us as the divine word. As the sages say, like we said, the spirit of Hashem spoke from the throat of Moshe, placing the words in his mouth. So the ideal Navi is not an interpreter, but a conduit. And Moshe was on a level that he was able to do that. In the last weeks of his life, Moshe presents us here with a different Torah, and a to- this Torah which comes in his own words. And Sefer Dvarim is Moshe's Chidushim, his novelle on the Torah, his interpretation of the events for the new generation. And so what we're seeing here is Moshe making a transition from being a Navi, a prophet, to being a Chacham, a sage. He's doing more than reviewing. As we know, when one learns something the first time, it's not fully absorbed. You don't really understand what you're seeing. I like to compare it to the experience of reading a book. I I have a very odd habit. I read Whenever I read a book, I get to the end of it, I automatically go back and read the first chapter again. Why? Because I feel like when you get to the end, you want to recreate the experience of opening with the new ideas that you've gotten from the ending. Suddenly you see all the nuance that the author put in, the clues to who the characters are, the reasons for why the book developed the way it did. A good author has been leaving you clues the whole time and you just haven't had the perspective to realize that. Having finished the book, you now have a new understanding. And that's what we call in learning Chazara. And we might be tempted to translate Chazara as a review, but the ideal Chazara is not just going over the material, but reorganizing the material with the perspective of having seen the whole. The old learned material thus takes on a new level of understanding so that we gain insights into the material. With each repetition, we see connections between the ideas that we never saw before. And that's due to our new place in time and due to other things that we've learned in the meantime. Um, And that's kind of the conundrum of learning that one can't understand anything without having seen the whole. So we continue learning by going forward in our texts and then going back and returning to the beginning over and over. And that's the essence of Simchat Torah, that we we complete the Torah and we start it again. And um, in the cycle of the Dafyomi, we go around on the level of the oral Torah. And that's why every siyum, when we finish a book, when we finish learning something, we conclude it with the hadran. The hadran means to return to it. So as soon as we finish a book, whether it's written or oral Torah, we start thinking about returning to it already. Um, I like to compare this process to a spiral. So that instead of being in a circle and going around and around and always being in the same place, In a spiral, when we return to the same place, we're in a higher perspective. So each time we come around, we're seeing it from a different place. 
And that's why the Gemara in Chagiga tells us that learning something a hundred times cannot be compared to learning it a hundred and one times. One would think you've learned it a hundred times, what could possibly be new the next time? But no, every single time we approach the material, it's at a different point in time with a different perspective, and thus we'll have a different understanding of it. So what Moshe is doing now is he's teaching us that. He's introducing a new type of Torah, a Torah in which he not only repeats, but he interprets. He has absorbed the Torah for 40 years, and now it is internalized, and he can speak his own divrei Torah. When we learn Torah, we automatically turn to Rashi, but the Rashi on our Pasuk would not have been clear to us had we not done the analysis we've done until now. We look at Rashi on our Pasuk, Be'eret Torah, explains the Torah, expounds the Torah, and he says, Beshivim Lashon Pirshalahim. In 70 languages, he explains it to him. And the Ketav Bekabalah comments on this. And he says, it can't possibly be that Rashi means he spoke all the languages of the nations, because what would that have helped? Did, did B'nai Israel need to hear the Torah in French or Spanish in the middle of the, of, of the desert? It can't be that it literally means 70 languages. So he says, it must be that he speaks about the 70 languages, meaning the 70 intentions, the 70 aspects or 70 interpretations of the Torah. As we know, the expression that says shivim panim la Torah, the Torah has 70 aspects, which are the uh, internal meanings of the Torah, um, the deeper meanings of the Torah beyond the level of the pshat, beyond the simple meaning of the words. And Rav Tzedek Milublin takes this idea a step further. And what does he say? He says there are two aspects to Sefer Devarim. One is the repetition of the written Torah. But in addition to the written Torah, there is Moshe's Torah, which is a type of Torah Shabal Peh, a type of oral Torah. And he brings an example from Masechet Megillah. In Masechet Megillah, uh, the Talmud gives a practical example of how we see that Sefer Dvarim is different than the other Chumashim. It discusses the question of whether one is allowed to stop during the reading of the Klalot, the curses that are the consequence of the people not following the mitzvot of the Torah. This appears twice in the Torah, um, once in Bayikra and once in Dvarim. Um, we call that the Tochacha. Um, and the Gemara in Masechet Megillah tells us that the Klalot, which appear in Sefer Vayikra, must be read as one unit. In other words, we can't make any stop in the middle of reading it because they were said by Moshe in the name of God. While when we read, when we get up to the Klalot in Sefer Dvarim, we can break them up. We can make a, a stop because these were the words spoken by Moshe. As Rashi explains, explains in Vayikra, the language is, I have given, I have sent. It's God speaking. When, when the Klalot are repeated in Dvarim, Moshe speaks in the third person. Hashem will send you. Hashem will strike you. So there's a different level um, 
of Kedusha here, a different level of, um, I wouldn't say Kedusha, but uh, of intent. Because in Dvarim, when Moshe is, is speaking, he's not repeating, he's interpreting. When one only repeats, one leaves the text in the past. By interpreting it, he brings it into the present and makes it appropriate for the future. In Judaism, we have words for these two d- different types of Torah. We have the Torah Shebikhtav, the written Torah, and the Torah Shebaalpeh, the oral Torah. But what we're seeing today is that the first four Chumashim are purely written Torah. But, and we know that our oral traditions have been since written down in the Mishnah and the Gemara, which form uh, the Talmud. But Sefer Devarim is a bridge. It's part of the written Torah. It's one of the Hamishah Chumshei Torah, one of the five books of the Torah. But it's in the style of the oral Torah. Moshe knows that when he go, he's gone, there's going to be no more direct communication on the level he's known, that, that he has known, right? He's, he's been this direct conduit. The prophets after him will not be. So it's time for the people to take the written Torah into their possession and make it relevant to their lives. What is Torah Shabal What is the oral Torah? It's the process of taking the core of the Torah Shabichtav, of the written Torah, and developing it to fully express the ideas of the Torah. It's not changing or losing the inner meaning of the Torah Shabichtav, of the written Torah, but rather expanding it. An important principle of the Torah Shabal of the oral Torah, as taught to us actually in Sefer Dvarim, is Lo Vashamayim Hi. The Torah is not in the heavens from the time. Moshe finished writing the Torah Shebechtav, the written Torah. The Torah has descended to the earth and become the possession of Am Yisrael. So Moshe here is giving generations of Jews the permission to build on his Torah and establish their own. He's setting a precedent for interpretation of the Torah. Rav Tzadok HaKohen Milublin continues, and he tells the story of a holy Jew. He calls him a holy Jew, but we know from studying Rav Tzadok that he re- he's referring to Rav Yaakov Yitzchak of Pshischa. And Rav Yaakov Yitzchak of Pshischa would learn verses from Dvarim every day. They asked him, why does he do that? And he said, this is my way of learning Musar. Musar is the study of moral conduct, um, educating oneself on how one should act in an appropriate manner. So Rav Tzadok asks, why would one say that they're studying verses out of Sefer Dvarim every day as their book of Musar, when there are plenty of books or, that are written expressly for the purpose of Musar? But he explains there's a big difference between between tochachot, reproof, admonition. In other words, someone telling you what should be happening when one learns it in a book and when one learns it from a live person. Remember that we're talking about the, the concept of, of tzaddik is coming out of the idea of reading the tochacha, reading the curses in the Torah, which are meant to admonish the people to keep the mitzvot. And he's saying that there's a difference between reading in a book and and um, and having someone speak to you. When someone speaks to you from their heart, it goes into your heart. Says Rav Sadok, there's a special power in Sefer Dvarim that one who reads it, it's as if he's now hearing it 
from the mouth of Moshe. There's something oral about the reading of this book. It's like a live person speaking rather than reading from a book. So Rav Yaakov Yitzchak of Pshischa chose to read Dvarim because he said, I can read a Musar book. But when I read a Musar book, I'm reading a book. But when I read Sefer Dvarim, I'm hearing Moshe speak to me. And when a person speaks to you, it's internalized. And that's part of this importance of speech. A prophet sees, and that's the highest level of understanding. In order to explain what he's seeing, he has to use his own voice to explain. Now, we said that Moshe never had to do that. Moshe stayed on that highest level of understanding of that level of seeing because the words came to him directly from Hashem. But every other prophet had to use his voice to explain what he was seeing. And that's the next level down of understanding, speech. And in the Gemara, when they want to explain something, they say, Tashma, come and hear. Why? Because that's that level of understanding. Come and learn and understand. Come and hear. Perhaps we can say that the Jerusalem Talmud is on a higher level because when they want to explain something, they say, Tachazi, come and see. The idea of hearing and seeing, um, seeing being the higher level, hearing being the next level down. Um, this same idea comes through in the writings of um, Rav Soloveitchik, um, on his notes on Masechet Ivamod, he writes, the name Mishnah Torah teaches us that Sefer Dvarim is in fact the oral law. The oral law comes to explain the written Torah, and that is what Sefer Dvarim is doing. Therefore, in addition to being considered the written Torah, like the other four books, Sefer Dvarim is also considered oral law, thus making this book the most unique of the five books of Moshe. Thus, the first four books were said by God as the written Torah, while Mishneh Torah is different. Because it was said by God to Moshe, both as the written Torah and as the oral law. This is really quite an idea. Um, Where does this concept of Mishneh Torah come from? The concept, the expression comes from the Pasuk in Dvarim, which describes the requirements for a king. When he's sitting on his throne, he shall write him a copy of this law in a book. I'll say for what does the king do with this book? So one of the things he does is to read it at Hakel. What is Hakel? At the end of the of the seven year Shemitah cycle, um, on Sukkot, all of Am Yisrael come to Jerusalem to hear the reading of the king from the Torah. And this is again very similar to what we were talking about, the idea of the renewal of the covenant. Every seven years, we have a renewal of the covenant between Am Yisrael and Hashem. So we see that in Hakel the Mitzvah that everyone has to come. It says men, women, and children, everyone has to be there when the king reads out from his Sefer Torah for the people. What does he read? Says Rav Soloveitchik, he needs to read from both the oral and the written Torah. And how is he going to fulfill that? He's going to do it by reading Sefer Dvarim. He can cover both in one reading. Not only that, but Rav Salvation goes on and he proves his point from within the text of Sefer Dvarim itself, saying that how does Sefer Dvarim open with the words, Ho'il Moshe be'eret Torah hazot, Moshe explained the, the Torah, meaning that he used his words orally to explain the Torah to the people. But at the end 
of the book, what does it say? It says, Vayichtov Moshe et HaTorah hazot, Vayitna el HaKohanim b'nei HaNosim, et Aron Brit Hashem, ve'el kol z'nei Yisrael. Excuse me. So what happens? Um, Moshe, at the end of the book, in the 31st chapter, um, Moshe writes down the Torah. So until now, he's been saying it, and then at the end, he writes it down. Um, so do we see that this book has both functions. Rav Soloveitchik points out the duality of the book, which starts with the word dvarim, words, and ends with ktiva, writing. So it allows it to function as both written and oral Torah simultaneously. And we can see his uncle, the Gries, um, takes this even yet another step. Um, with regard to, he says, with regard to Moshe's obligation to transfer the Torah to Bnei Yisrael, in addition to his obligation to transfer the actual words and the prophecies that were said to him, he also had to explain the meaning of the words. And here he points out something, the Greece points out something very interesting. He says, this second obligation was not fulfilled as a prophet, but as a teacher who is obligated to teach Torah. All of this together is included in Moshe's obligation to pass on the Torah to Am Yisrael. So in Sefer Dvarim, Moshe goes from being a prophet who sees through an illuminated lens, who can act as a conduit to directly transfer the words of Hashem, to a teacher was teaching Torah to his students. And by doing this, he begins a process which will continue for thousands of years of learning Torah from teacher to student. We know that one of the ideas of oral Torah is that it requires a teacher-student relationship. Anyone can pick up a book, but in order to learn oral Torah, we need to interact with another person. He shows the people by doing this how to function without prophecy. I always like in my Talmud classes to start with a story from Rav Steinsaltz. Um, he calls it the Talmud as a changing body. Um, he says that the Talmud is a discussion which can't be contained within time. And he describes there um, a table, a very, very long table. And at the, at the head of the table is Moshe. And who sits at the end, he says, it's always me. This is a table which is constantly moving and changing. Everybody that was or is will, or will be a participant is seated at the table and is participating in the discussion. Moshe at one end, I'm at the other end, interacting from one end to the other, but with everyone along the way, neighbors to the left and to the right, all the generations, the Rambam is there, Rashi is there, everyone is in discussion and they're all still speaking. And I can ask them questions and I can compare one to the other across generations. And all of this is a virtual learning, he says. Um, it's like a living entity that goes on and on and, and becomes a part of the creation of the book. And he says there that the Gemara itself, we say it was finished you know, in the 5th century, 6th century, 8th century, all kinds of different opinions, but it was never finished. It doesn't have a date that you can say, okay, we close the book, it's ended. It was left open because we, we want to always be able to add to it. We want to always continue the discussion. So it's like a four-dimensional entity. We have, we're going across time. And, and that's why when we talk about all of our 
um, rabbis, we never say Rashi said. We says Rashi says because Rashi's still saying it. Okay, he said it a thousand years ago, but he's still saying it now. We're above time. Even if we look at the page of the Gemara, the Gemara page, how it's built, the, the standard, what's called the Tzurat Hadaf, the standard page of the Gemara, it's constantly being added to with the center being the original texts, the, the Mishnah and the Gemara itself, and then the commentaries around, commentaries constantly being added, even till today, when you could say the, the addition of the um, Steinsalz or the Schottenstein on the side, um, we're constantly adding another super commentary and another super com- commentary, thousands of years of discussion and interaction and new ways of thinking. So this is all coming out of Sefer Dvarim, this concept that Moshe teaches us that we can comment and discuss on the words of the Torah. And I'd like to finish with um, a thought that I learned from my father-in-law, who was a student of Rav Soloveitchik. Um, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat tells us that when Moshe um, when Moshe went down from from Har Sinai, um, the the Satan came to to Hashem and he said, "Where's the Torah?" For the first time, the Torah wasn't in the heavens, and Hashem said to him, "I gave it to the earth." The Satan went looking for it on the earth, didn't find it. He went to the sea, didn't find it. He went to the depths and he didn't find it. And he went back to Hashem and he said, I've searched all over for the Torah on the earth and I didn't find it. And Hashem answered him, go to Moshe ben Amram, go to ben Amram. And Rav Salavechik would stop here in the middle of the story. And he would ask, what Torah was the Satan looking for? Was he written, looking for the written Torah? If he were, he could have gone into any shul, to any Beit Midrash, and opened the Aron Kodesh and taken out the Torah. It can't be that he was looking for the written Torah. The written Torah isn't difficult to find. What Torah is difficult to find? The oral Torah. But Hashem answered him, it's in Moshe ben Amram. The Gemara wants to tell us that Moshe is an example for every Jew. Every person holds within them their own oral Torah that they must find and they must make the effort to bring it out to the world. This transition from prophet to sage, which Moshe demonstrates in Sefer Dvarim, gives us the ability to develop ideas and adapt them to new situations and new times, and it allows the halacha to lalechet, to walk, to continue to grow. So I hope that you will all take the time to find your own oral Torah and add it to the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can stream and download all Matan podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and Matan's website. Feel free to share feedback with us as you listen. You can write us at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Lastly, please do Matan podcast and Women's Torah Learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new audiences. 
Shabbat Shalom.